Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mahita Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Altergott, the Chief Experience Officer at the CX Edge. Well, I can't think of a better way today to start the holiday season and to end the year um, than talking about charity and social responsibility. So today we have with us Kathy Fulton and Emily Martinchenko. Kathy is the executive director of the American Logistics Aid Network, and Emily is the development coordinator. Um, some people abbreviate it to Allen, so if you hear us refer to Allen, that is the American Logistics Aid Network. So welcome, both of you. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having us, Sherry. So excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Like I said, I think, I mean, this is always a great topic any time of year. Um, but I think especially this time of year, number one is people are planning their budgets for the next year and their strategies for the next year. It's a great thing to consider where they're really going to engage in corporate responsibility. Um, and then I think this time of year, people are just in that giving spirit as well. So it's always just a great time to talk about it. Before we jump into kind of the details of Alan and what you guys have done over the last few years, um, Kathy, I was hoping I could start with you. If you could give me just a little bit of background um, on yourself and how you get started with Alan. Sure. Um, so my background with Alan and my background in the industry is one of those non-traditional ones, which I think a lot of us who are in supply chain kind of have that non-traditional background. Um, I actually started in information technology. Um, and I was working for a third-party logistics company, Saddle Creek Logistics, uh, logistics based down in Central Florida. And um, this new organization called Allen, American Logistics Aid Network, was just getting started. And they needed someone to look at technology. Um, and so I was voluntold. Um, I love to tell everybody, you know, never underestimate the, the power of being voluntold, um, I, that I was going to help with this project. And that turned into a couple of years as a volunteer, a couple of years as a loaned executive. Um, and then I've been leading the organization since 2013, um, when unfortunately our founding president passed away. So well, that's a long time. Yeah, 10 um, years. It's hard to believe. <laughs> you never know how you're going to fall into some of these things. And some of these decisions become life changing moments. Um, so that's a, a great start. Emily, how about you? How did you get started with Alan? I also do not hail from a logistics background, but my dad has worked in supply chain his entire life, so always kind of been on the periphery. But I came to Allen in the fall of 2020, and just because they were looking for someone to come on on a very part-time basis, do a little marketing, do a little communications, and kind of no matter where I went in life or no matter what city I moved to, I always stuck with the Allen team. And then as Allen has grown in 2022 and 2023, I grew with the organization and eventually came on in May of this year on a full-time basis. Yeah, it is. it has been life-changing, Sherry. Let me just say that, like having Emily on the team, especially because she came on like at the height of the pandemic in 2020. And so she has been through all of this with us. That's, and it sounds like Emily is one of the few people that grew up knowing what supply chain is, unlike <laughs> for most of us, including myself, who had never heard of it until I found myself in it. So yeah. you um, would think, but I really did not learn the terminology or the definitions behind the terminology until I was um, fully on board with the Allen team. So I, I was late to the game, unfortunately. 
<laughs> well, at least you started early. That's good. Um, so could we just start for people that maybe aren't familiar with Alan? Um, what really is Alan's mission? Yeah, so I'll take this one and Emily jump in. Um, so our mission really is about saving lives through well-coordinated logistics solutions. Um, effective, you know, effective supply chains require effective logistics. Uh, effective humanitarian responses also require effective logistics. Um, there's a statistic out there that says that about 60 to 80% of humanitarian response spending goes towards logistics. Um, so Allen exists to kind of help reduce that spend for nonprofit organizations and help them be more effective with their logistics activities so that as they are going out trying to help people who've just you know, either suffered from disaster or other humanitarian crisis, um, they can get the nourishment and hydration, shelter, medical care, anything that they need uh, can be brought to them more effectively and more efficiently because of well-coordinated logistics. So that's who we are. That's awesome. And I think, it, it, to your point, it's such a vital piece, especially when there's a disaster, and probably the piece that people that are in it don't think about, you know, and these are areas where it's not easy to get water and food to, and really kind of overcome that challenge is so imperative. So I think it's such a tremendous mission, and especially, you know, I think there's never a lack of disasters, unfortunately. Um, but I sure know that, especially in the last three years, it's probably been um, pretty busy years for you, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But I think the work that you're doing is so important. Well, so um, I, just just to add to that, you know, people say, oh, you know, it's, it hasn't been a very busy hurricane season this year, or you know, we haven't seen a lot of disasters. Um, and the thing that we're all, I mean, we're always working on a disaster somewhere, whether it's a disaster that happened literally three years ago um, in Louisiana, like the Hurricane Laura disaster that happened in Lake Charles. Like, we're still helping organizations who are rebuilding or recovering from that. So disasters are, are really long. It's not just what you're seeing on the news on a daily basis. We're always there. What we see on the news is so short-lived. You know, you yeah. hear about it for a day or a week in, in some cases, but the rebuilding goes on for years and years and years. Right. And there's yeah. people that need to be there. So that, that's yeah. such a good point. I do know that and even the way that I first got familiar with Alan was through the Mahita Network and um, Mahita talking about it. I've been to different events where you guys have been present talking about what Alan does. Um, so I know Mahita members are really involved in Alan in some capacity. I was hoping you could give me just a little bit of an overview of maybe 2023, what you've seen some from some Mahita members. Absolutely. Uh, so we at Alan, we love Mahita and Mahita for many years and not only in 2023, but has been uh, instrumental in helping us help our nonprofit partners help disaster survivors and disaster response and recovery. And um, so we're we're always so grateful to be connected to Mahita and their members alike. And um, to put that into um, a few impact statements, you know, in 2023 alone, Mahita members have donated or loaned 16 pieces of material handling equipment. Uh, to seven different nonprofit partners, forklifts, pallet jacks, um, even information and expertise on repairing equipment to make it 
um, more efficient and um, and better used in warehouses to distribute disaster aid um, in the short term and in the long term. You know, Kathy just mentioned a lot of the times we're working on disasters that and recovery efforts for disasters years after they've passed. And we had a Mahita member loan a forklift to Adventist Community Services in Florida, who in the spring was still hard at work after Hurricane Ian, um, helping to rebuild and repair. Um, all of this equates um, the donated or loaned equipment. It equates to over $13,000 worth of material handling equipment. And when you, which in and of itself is an impressive number, but when you think about how that force multiplies um, or how even one, you know, $800 forklift, that can speed up the efficiency of a warehouse and that can reach thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who need a hot meal or PPE or, um, or water bottles after a disaster. Um, and so that's kind of, in terms of 2023 alone, uh, that is some Mahita member statistics at a glance, but, you know, I can trace it, um, I can trace it way back to 2015, where if you tally all of those numbers, uh, Mahita members have donated or loaned 58 pieces of material handling equipment and have supported us and our partners through COVID. Yeah, and I think that's such like, <clears throat> a a great point that you bring up the equipment side of it that alan doesn't only take cash donations and i know a lot of um, equipment companies have pieces of equipment that maybe just from a technology perspective are outdated but still work and they're fine um you know so there's also a big opportunity to donate from an equipment perspective because these are areas that all of that equipment might have got wiped out that there is none there and I think that's such a, a good way to donate and support Alan as well. So thank you for sharing that. Sherry, if I could just add real quick, um, Alan, we're, we're servicing um, and we're helping and we're supporting nonprofit partners after disaster, but we also support so many um, small and medium-sized nonprofits that are doing community development and trying to help reach economically disadvantaged families. And I have to give a special thank you to Noble Lift, uh, who I know is a Mahita member, who has been um, has been consistently supporting Alan uh, and our efforts to reach those small nonprofits who have such a small logistics capacity um, and who are constantly trying to build their logistics knowledge. And one piece of equipment for them turns their world around in what they're able to accomplish on a day-to-day -day basis to service their community. Uh, so, uh, such a great impressive. point. And I think it's just something for other members to keep in mind as they're going through inventory in the next few months and and seeing what they have and what they could possibly give. I don't think there's ever a lack of need um, within Allen for those types of, of equipment for sure. What would you say right now are some of the biggest areas of need in the supply chain? Uh, yeah, so material handling equipment is always needed. And just for the exact reasons Emily just, just talked about, you know, the ability for a human to move, you know, something, uh, unload a truck, you know, they can do about 50 pounds at a time, right? The smallest piece of equipment is going to be able to do, you know, five times that, 50 times that, right? That's going to, it's going to make a huge impact for that nonprofit. Um, so material handling equipment is always needed. Um, 
transportation is always needed. And, you know, I know that there's so much happening in, in supply chains in general right now that it's people are just trying to survive, right, with their businesses. Um, but there are still opportunities, um, especially, um, especially this time of year when we see so many uh, philanthropic initiatives happening where people are doing uh, food giveaways or people are doing, um, you know, additional collection drives, coats for kids, things like that. There are so many opportunities to just use that little bit of logistics to do a whole lot of good. Yeah, and, and kind of staying on that topic, it still as it relates to Alan, but as we talked about in the beginning, companies are right now planning for next year and they're planning their corporate social responsibility initiatives. They're planning employee experience initiatives. And all studies have shown that having some type of charitable organization tends to get employees more engaged. Have you seen that within some of the, the, the companies that you work with? of the importance of building some of those social responsibility campaigns within their own organizations? Sherry, I think every business out there right now is trying to figure out how do we connect with our employees? How do we do things that are going to provide them with a meaningful employment environment, right? What are the things that um, that are going to create that stickiness between employer, employee and employer? And Wages, absolutely, number one, right? They they want to be paid fairly. Um, they they want the flexible work environment, but they also want the opportunity to see that the work they're doing has meaning. And there is no better way to do that than with giving back. You know, if they're using their logistics skills on a daily basis to move widgets, you know, to make a buck for some company, how much more impactful is that going to be for that employee to be able to use those same skills, operating a forklift, um, using automation to make a difference for someone who's just had a really bad day, right? Um, so yes, we are absolutely seeing that. Um, just about every company we talk to asks about how can you help me, you know, give this type of information to my employees, and not just from a preparedness perspective, but we want them to know that logistics can do good. So great question. Yeah, yeah. no, that's such a good point. And I, I think, I know a lot of organizations, especially with the material handling, have some type of initiatives. Um, but I think in terms of creating a holistic strategy, there's so much benefit in doing that. Instead of kind of the one-offs, like whenever there's a big, disaster we all want to help you know i think that's within everyone's nature but i think you have to go into the year unfortunately assuming there is going to be some type of disaster and kind of pre-allocating um maybe some of that budget for those and pre-determining some employee experience events that they could be a part of helping out as the year goes by as well absolutely and planning you know planning for your business holistically like you said uh, you need to plan your response in case a disaster happens to you. But if a disaster happens in your community, how are you going to respond if your business is still operating? So it, it is 100% that, you know, end to end, taking care of my employees first, you know, putting that oxygen mask on myself first, and then making sure that my, my community is okay. So I, I love that sentiment, Sherry. Yeah, yeah. 
So just to bounce around a little bit, I was kind of poking on your website a little bit before the uh, our discussion today, and I got into your intelligence center, um, which might not be new, but it was new to me. So I thought it was a great ad. I had not seen that before. Could you tell me a little bit more about the Supply Chain Intelligence Center and your website? Yeah, I, I'll jump in and Emily, please fill, fill in the cracks here. So back when the pandemic was just starting, <laughs> it's hard to, hard to think back that far. Um, there were a lot of activities happening that um, there, it was just really hard to keep up with all of the different government interventions that were happening, right? And so we needed a way to visually represent that. Well, the weather didn't stop happening during that time either, right? So we said, okay, what is a way that we can have in one place um, anything that the government is doing, anything that um, is a man-made type of disaster, and anything that is weather-related? So that resulted in our Supply Chain Intelligence Center is an amazing partnership with Everstream Analytics um, where they provide uh, all of the weather data. We go in and we add other types of disruptive events. So we're like right now we're tracking the, um, the low water flow on the Mississippi River, which is resulting in saltwater inundation. So it means more people in South Louisiana need bottled water. Um, Things like the I-10 bridge collapse. Uh, we also had one in, you know, where was that, Philly earlier this year, right? So all of those things we, that have potential to cause friction in supply chains that have potential to, um, it, to disrupt the way that things move to market, we want to, we want to track that. We want to provide that out to all of our partners uh, for, and Everstream lets us do that for free. So again, it's an amazing partnership. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, kind of, I want to end this on what really is the best way for people to donate to Alan? I'll jump in here. So uh, Alan, we're a very small organization and I'll start by saying we operate um, completely off of financial contributions uh, through a very, very generous network uh, of industry partners. And so, you know, if you're looking for a meaningful way to give back, it's the end of the year, you can go, we just uh, launched our end of year campaign and you can go online to alanaid.org slash delivering hope and you can make a financial contribution to us. And, um, you know, every $1 donated um, allows our team to help transport and deliver $72 worth of disaster aid. So, really it just um it helps us go the distance and be a force multiplier like i mentioned okay. earlier um and another but the other way um is through making an in-kind contribution whether that's transportation material handling equipment expertise or warehousing space and you can all you can do that through our website as well um you can go online to alanaid.org slash offer in kind and you can fill out um, you can fill out our online form detailing what um, you would potentially like to donate to us. It is not an obligation. Um, we just tell everyone it is an opportunity for us for you to connect with us, uh, for us to explore different ways that we can support each other, and you can support our work and disaster survivors. And we will put you in touch with Lexi, our operations coordinator, uh, who's also been a wonderful new addition to the team this year. 
and um, we can figure out how to best leverage what you do best with what we do best and um, in order to make a real difference um, in communities that need it. That is such a great idea. I think, you know, that people can connect with you without giving a commitment at that point in time, but having that partnership, I think always keeps it top of mind um, with both organizations. So if, if people haven't started working with Alan, I think that's certainly a good place to start for sure, just to start the conversation. Well, you guys have been so informative. And like I said, I think this was just such a great way to end off the year, but we're not done yet. Because if, if you're not familiar with Mahita Talks, we do have a lightning round where we like to get to know you guys a little bit better. Um, so I have 10 questions here. I tried to, to go a little bit easy on you since it's your first lightning round, um, but I also make no promises. It is the uh, so holidays. Kathy, <laughs> so, Kathy, I'm going to start with you, and then, Emily, you'll answer the same question. The next question, Emily, I'll start with you, and then, Kathy, you'll answer it. So, Kathy, start off easy. How do you feel about cranberries? Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, I love, like, the jelly cranberry sauce stuff, um, and I love cranberry, dried cranberries and scones. Other cranberries? Not so much. <laughs> Emily, how about you? Big fan. Such a lovely winter fruit. Put it put it in a little seltzer uh, with maybe a little cinnamon stick. Make a make a lovely little mocktail and tis the season. It did. I I only like cranberries if it has vodka in it, but that's just oh. okay. Well, um, if I'm allowed to say cocktail, then I will um I'll upgrade the mocktail uh, yeah. <laughs> to the full cocktail. <laughs> This is the Mahita group of people. <laughs> They're always offended if you say the word mocktail. Um, Emily, when you fly in a plane, do you wear a neck pillow? I don't. I probably should, but I, um, I, I like to travel light, and I guess the neck pillow did not make the cut. But always <laughs> headphones. I need music constantly. Kathy, how about you? Oh, this is such a horrible confession. So I have this thing that my daughter gave me that's called a sleep crown. Um, and it is like actually a lifesaver. It covers your eyes and ears and blocks out noise. But it's like a full on pillow. But yes, I do travel with my sleep crown everywhere I go. Actually, I just wrote down sleep crown because I want to look that up. Um, so Full disclosure, I have migraines and it is a lifesaver, so. That's good. All right, Kathy, what item do you think is worth spending more money on? Ooh, um, wow, there are so many things, but um, I I love a good dinner. Like, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily a foodie, but my family is, and you just, Sometimes you just got to treat yourself. Great. Emily, how about you? I'm going to say a good coffee maker, I, which I learned the hard way. I bought the cheapest one, and when it came after a few painful weeks of very terrible morning coffee, I was ready to <laughs> pick up the baseball bat and have a tragic end. But um, I, I was a good neighbor. I didn't do that. I just, um, I just upgraded to a slightly more expensive one and it's been smooth sailing ever since. 
there are those things in life that you just have to spend a little bit extra on to make your life better. Um, Emily, if you could be transformed into one animal, what would you choose? I would be, oh, I'd be a wolf. Uh, I would be, I don't know what I would do with it, but I think I would just go for a nice, like, run through the woods and enjoy some fresh air in my powerful wolf form. But that's the, I read um, a lot of Jack London as a kid to get in touch with the Canadian roots. And I think I I developed an early love for wolves. Very nice. Kathy, how about you? Oh my gosh. Uh, I would be a cat because I could sleep all day in the sun. Like that's, <laughs> that is totally my vibe. Maybe I'm just ready to hibernate. Fair. Kathy, what are you looking forward to the most this holiday season? Uh, my family and I are going on a fabulous uh, 10 day vacation to London. So I am super that's excited right. about just taking some time away um, visiting a city I've not visited before, just doing all of the to- silly touristy Christmas market kind of things. So awesome. that'll be fun. Emily, how about you? I I love the Christmas season. I love the music. I love everything about it. When I when I go home, my parents have a very very grand fireplace in their home, and I want to watch all the holiday movies. I want to watch The mm-hmm. Holiday. I want to watch Elf. I want to watch Home Alone, which is my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, with the fireplace on. My daughter and I just watched Home Alone last night because it's also her favorite Christmas movie. Um, Emily, do you think you could win a game show? I think with the right partner, I would be a competitive contestant on The Amazing Race. Oh, that's a tough one. But my sister, I stole that a little bit from my sister who thinks she and my dad would if not if even if they didn't win they would get some minor fame from their antics and their <laughs> shared dynamic on that show <laughs> so I, I robbed that a little bit from her <laughs> Kathy how about you could you win a game oh, show I absolutely could win a game show but I was going back to like I don't know Price is Right like old mm-hmm. style game shows you know Pyramid or you know one of those silly old game shows um, what if i don't know yeah it'd be fun to try how's that kathy have you or would your 12 year old self think that you're cool (laughs) my 12 year old self was decidedly the uncoolest uncool of the bunch (laughs) um so the fact that i can walk and talk and chew gum and you know don't have (laughs) terrible acne she would probably think i'm you know i've survived and i've made it (laughs) emily how about you would your 12 year old self think you're cool i'm happy to say that i think she would i um i couldn't always say that but you know sherry the past few years i think um i think she'd think i'm doing pretty well good all right emily are you more of an introvert or extrovert I'm extrovert all the way. I even took one of the tests and I got 70% extroverted. So uh, I'm a people person. (laughs) Kathy, how about you? 100% introvert. Like I've mentioned hibernating. That is my jam. (laughs) All right, Kathy. Would you rather be constantly sticky or constantly itchy? Those are two terrible options. Um, I'd have to go for the sticky 
because like I can see some advantages to to that. At least I wouldn't drop my phone so much. <laughs> Emily, how about you? I'm gonna have to go with sticky as well. Uh, both are terrible, but I feel like that's a if I'm gonna twist that into doing something for good, I would I would find a way. I don't know what it would be, but. <laughs> Well, you guys successfully made it through our lightning round. Congratulations. Thank you for playing. Um, and thank you for spending some time with us today. I want to give you guys the last word. Um, if you have any last words to say to the Mahita members, especially as they look to 2024, um, about contributions to Alan. I'll, I'll jump in here. Yes. My last word is thank you. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about how amazing Mahita staff and members have been to us through the years. Um, we are so excited about doing more together in 2024. Um, so that's our big thing. Check us out, you know, call the Mahita staff. If, if you don't know who we are, like, who are these Allen folks? Um, yeah, check in, check in with the, the staff, but also check out our website, allenaid.org. Everything you need is right there. Well, thank you guys again so much for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for completing. This has been our fourth year of Mahita Talks. Um, it's been a really fun ride. We've already planned our schedule for 2024. So I hope you guys stick with us. We have some great content coming up next year. And I think we finished this year off with a bang. So thank you, everyone, for watching. Have a great holiday season. And we'll see everyone next year. Thank you, guys.